That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. And a brand new episode tonight. We're going to go over a quick issue of Batman in the stack. And then we got a couple things that we want to run through. We have a nice Shazam review. We're now, I think, on the second week, uh, technically the third week of the release of the film. And um, we've uh, seen it. And we're going to share our thoughts on that. First, let's go around the roundtable. We got Robin D. Cross over in Canada. Howdy. Grandpa Batman in Dallas, Texas. To get a little do, you gotta give a little do. You gotta give a little do. Uh, I'm Bad Force Tom over in Southern California. And uh, like we mentioned, let's just get right into it. We got Batman issue number 69, uh, written by Tom King, with art by Yannick Paquette. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, Yannick Paquette. Uh, yeah, you, you you did a little fancy, but it works. All right, all right. Put a little fancy sauce on it, but uh, you up on it. Yeah. So he's been he's done some some Batman stuff in the past. He was didn't he also do some uh, Batman Eternal as well? Uh, yeah, you might have been on Eternal. He did uh, he did a run on Swamp Thing. He, one of you know you know how it's really cool being at a con or something and watching an artist uh, you know just just do commissions and stuff. One of the coolest things I ever watched was Yannick painting Swamp Thing. Mm. It, it was super cool. He's just banging out this watercolor. And it goes from like a blank paper to, you know, he starts adding splotches of green. And there's that early phase that seems to happen when you watch a, a great artist work. That uh, I guess this is going to be that one piece he did that was kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. But then after a few minutes, oh, I just didn't know what he was doing because this is amazing now. Yeah, was it a uh, was it just at his table or was he doing it like uh, as part of like the DC booth? Uh, this was just at uh, just at his table uh, at nice. a local con yeah. here in town. Yeah, it's interesting how some of these dudes work. Where like um, uh, a lot of guys will do like an outline, so you see at the very early stages what it's going to turn into, and then other guys work really weirdly, almost backwards, where it just looks like a That's, bunch of smudges yeah. and scribbles. That's yeah, and then they'll suddenly connect these dots that you didn't know were there. They just add some lines in. Like, oh, yeah, that's completely different. Yeah, that's how I watched um, Jai Lee do a commission, and I mean he did it like super fast. I didn't know what he was doing at first, and he was just like making these random black, you know, spots all over this thing, and I was like, what the hell is this? He gets done, and then like you said, he kind of just connects the dots so he was doing the shadows basically upside down and then drew in the form of the line and bam it was just like the final reveal was okay here's your portrait good lot nice that was awesome yeah well um yannick has is he how many issues is he doing right now is this uh 
Um, is he gonna do a couple of them on this run? Uh, I think he was. I think it was just a one-off for okay. this issue for now. Yeah. So this issue is the final issue in the uh, Nightmares um, storyline arc, and uh, man, the art was great. Um, yeah, uh, I, I loved his paneling and some of the ideas that uh, that they used in this. You know, they did. Uh, I don't know how much of this was in Tom's script and how much of it was just uh, Yannick just you know, doing it that way, but they used a lot more uh, of that crossing of the different timelines, you know, the, the different ways that Bruce and Selena met. Yeah. I like the way they used like the song and the lyrics to kind of like um, paint the, the pace of the, of the issue. And it was really cool to see uh, the way that transitioned through all the different panels and stuff like that. And um, yeah, to ke- to catch everybody up on speed, this is, Man, how many issues was this Nightmares? Like five, six? I think six. Six issues. So each issue is kind of like a different scenario, different nightmare that Batman's going through. And they did a really good job in this issue of kind of bringing everybody up to speed on what was happening in the last ones. But from what Batman is deducing, he believes that um, he was attacked in the Batcave by Thomas Wayne, his father, who has been working with Bane. And uh, last thing he remembers is getting knocked out and uh, then he just starts going through these different nightmare scenarios where, you know, Professor Pig is almost like torturing him. And then he realizes he takes the mask off and it's actually Damien. Um, there's a Catwoman's been in a couple of the different issues. Um, there was the last one was the Bachelorette Party and the Bachelor Party. Um, and from what he believes, it's uh, Scarecrow under the... Bane, Bane essentially taking over uh, Arkham Asylum and using all the different rogues to his advantage to kind of try and break Batman mentally. And uh, they've injected Scarecrow toxin into him. And every time that Batman uses Selina Kyle as a way of kind of like stabilizing himself and coming out of the nightmare, he believes that they've injected him with more. And uh, that's kind of like what we're getting now. Um, but also in this issue, it kind of, in a way, answers one question as far as why you know, Batman and Selina didn't eventually get married, right? I think it's, at least on Bruce Wayne's side, um, that question is answered for him through the hallucination slash nightmare of him having a conversation with Selina and asking her why, like, she basically left him at the altar. Um, which is going to piss a lot of uh, Batcat stands off, um, <laughs> to say the least, because I know that she's she has not been in the books for a while, and all these uh, Catwoman fans have been wanting her to come back. And um, she was in two of the Nightmare issues, one of which was very beautifully done and uh, really, really just kind of like a romantic issue of, of their relationship. The last one was a very silly and funny one with the bachelor Bachelorette party, which I didn't really like. <clears throat> I don't know if we talked about that one too much, but it was so different. You know, Amanda Connor's art is so specific and kind of she does like a silly, playful kind of artwork that uh, lends itself well to, you know, the, the Harley Quinn books right now, stuff like that. Um, but it's so much different than what has been in the last couple of runs of Batman. So when I saw the artwork and you start reading the story, it was like cutesy and funny and sweet and everyone's happy. And I'm reading through it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? And then, uh, you know, turn the page, turn the page and come to find out like smack halfway through the issue. Superman tells Batman, this is a nightmare because in this nightmare, everyone's happy. And that's not how you want it. That's not how things are, are supposed to be for you. And you're, you're afraid of your happiness. You're afraid of not being 
Batman, you're afraid of being happy. And because happiness fucking sucks and it's boring. And it was like Tom King kind of like writing to the reader, like slapping you in the face. Like, see? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, he's right. Like, this sucks. Like, you don't want yeah. you don't want Batman eating like eating dinner with super like Clark Kent at Wayne Manor just being bored out of his mind. You know, while while uh, Lois and Selina are like going through the Fortress of Solitude, getting lap danced. That was really weird. Getting lap danced. Okay, that, yeah. that that scene about the soup made me think of '89 with Keaton. Oh yeah, sitting down uh, with like uh, how's the soup? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, it totally super I, awkward. I, I assumed it was uh, in reference to it. Yeah, yeah but um, I thought it was kind of funny that Lois Lane still gets turned on by by Superman stripping, even though it's for her husband. But I guess yeah. it's because it's like a fake one. So anyways, that was the last issue. This issue, um, kind of summarizing it in that sense. Uh, then there's also an awesome scene where uh, Bane is and, and Thomas Wayne are beating the fuck out of each other. That was cool too, right? Yeah, that, like this This is one of the bravest scripts that Tom King has ever written. Because, okay, so he, he writes a scene and he has to give this to his artist. In this case, it's Yannick Paquette. And I, I guess you know he would have to give it to, to his editor at some point as well. So Bane and Thomas are wrestling. Oh, and and Bane's naked again. So <laughs> right. they're, okay, look, wait, I'll, I'll hold on. They, okay, wait, what? <laughs> yes, I said naked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're fighting, and they're, yeah, Bane's uh, Bane's got his dick out again. Yeah, yeah. He's um, unmasked and uh, de robed this, this 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 is inappropriate. So Batman reveals himself. In damned and everybody goes crazy. But why is it okay for Bane to do it? <laughs> do they actually do it? Like, do they? I don't remember seeing it. No, you don't see anything. But I think uh, I I gather that Venom gives similar effects to steroids. Ah, uh, because you, you don't see anything on. Yeah, shrinks <laughs> shrinks the marbles down. Yeah, leaves, this is why yeah. so angry. Vienna cocktail Some, weenie status. Yeah, but um, yeah. So so I like I like how. Thomas is kind of establishing his dominance too because we we, we learn why Thomas Wayne has been working with Bane because uh, Batman then flashes back to the events of the button duh button of um, when Thomas is going to leave and as he's leaving he stops and he talks to Bruce and he tells him like I, if you can do one thing for me don't be Batman don't choose this life it's not a life for you you're not going to be happy you know um, and then he leaves, and so obviously Batman does not heed those words, and he continues to be Batman. And um, this, to, to what we can understand, is that that's the one thing that kind of leads Thomas Wayne to work with Bane, is um, the the commonality that they don't want Bruce Wayne to be Batman. Bane, obviously, being because he wants to break Batman, and he believes himself to be better than Batman. Thomas just doesn't want him to be Batman because he doesn't want that life for him. So, you know, they're kind of... Uh, using um, each other as as personal gain in their in their own little mission to, for that, and uh, yeah, so it's it's just been uh, it's been a crazy um, I've been a crazy run of seeing what Bane has been doing since basically the beginning of this run because he's used he's used even uh, Gotham and Gotham Girl from the first arc, and all that's been attached and, and is trickling now into this arc. And it's still not done because the uh, nightmares is just basically giving the reader a better sense and understanding as to why he's been doing all this, and um, we'll we'll see eventually, you know, kind of how it all turns out. I think in the next couple of arcs. But something that I really liked is um, this reminds me a lot of the Nightfall arc because Nightfall, 
was fucking years of Bane in the comics. Um, and just like issue by issue. And back then, it was, yeah, I mean, the I think the main title it was running through was, was weekly. You got tie-ins with the Shadow of the Bat. There was Batman and Detective Comics. So I think, you know, for the most part, if you weren't getting part of that story weekly, it was maybe almost bi-weekly. Um, but it's similar here where it's like a twice twice a month book. Um, but he's just building slowly and slowly and slowly. And back then with Nightfall, the whole point was Bane was using like almost every rogue to put in front of Batman to weaken him and weaken him and weaken him. So finally when he faced him, he, he basically broke him. And this is using it psychologically to do it. So Tom King, I think, is really like using that as kind of like uh, his blueprint as to his own story. And um, I know we've said it a couple times, but my favorite thing is the fact that he's using Bane for uh, he's using Bane the way Bane needs to be kind of portrayed in the comics. Um, yeah, this is, this is the first time since Nightfall that Bane has been treated with this much respect that he's been this much of a threat to Bruce. Yeah, and and that's really um, Bane's greatest strength is really I mean it's not his. You know, he's obviously he's a, you know, very powerful, strong adversary. And and when he fights Batman, obviously, you know, that's a challenge. But his greatest strength is really his strategic planning and his patience. Yeah, because that's really I mean, you know, and that's kind of, you know, the the whole shtick with Batman rogues is that, you know, they don't follow through whenever they have Batman down. But Bane he likes to, you know, he has the the long game yeah. in mind. And he, um, you know, by history of the books and his character, he's he is a strategic mastermind. He's a genius. He's just like fucking Bruce Wayne. He's a genius ever since he ate, ever since birth. Like, he's had to survive. And then um, ever since he was a kid, he's been training his body to be like this peak physical, you know, vessel. And um, he even has the edge where he's basically on steroids with Venom to be even more powerful than Batman, but he's like the only fucking guy that's ever beaten him. And he, and he knows it. And he, he, he uses that, you know, as, as his kind of like, um, shit talk when he's talking to Thomas Wayne, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're fucking Batman. It doesn't matter if he's Batman. I've beaten Batman. And, and, and the reason why he's able to do it is he knows his limitations and he knows that he can't just, go right after him. He can't just go straight after him and fight him because that fight he'll lose. Yeah. But if he wears him down first, that's how he can take him out. Like that's what happened in Nightfall. The issue of Batman right before Nightfall starts, I think it's 492, 491 or 492. Uh, it's not considered part of Nightfall, but it's the beginning of Bane's plan. It's where he breaks everyone, everyone out of Arkham. Mm. And then uh, Batman spends months, long nights and days tracking down everyone that that Bane let out. Yeah. And then he's worn worn out and beat up and running on fumes. That's when Bane springs on. It's fucking exhausting. Imagine like you have every like key issue of Batman and you got it all in your collection. Then all of a sudden your fucking mom comes over and sells it in a yard sale, and they just go scattered. <laughs> And then you got to spend your fucking hard-earned money and time and energy tracking them all down and bringing them all back. It's like exhausting. It's kind of what I, kind of how I see it. Yeah, um, you're, you're, the, the mom in the scenario was, uh, yeah, was very much Bane. Uh, the, the difference in Nightfall, 
Bane had broken him physically. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Tom King's story, you know, because you know he he broke him physically and that didn't put him down for good. So now this time he's breaking him mentally right. and emotionally. What um I know it was a couple issues back. What ended up happening with Gotham Girl? Did she eventually get away? Uh, yeah, he's he's still trying to help her, but uh, he's doing it a different way this time. Whereas the first time when he tried to help her, uh, him being Batman, uh, he he thought the way to help her was to keep her out of that life. You know, have her not being a hero and not using her powers since they since they slowly kill her every time she uses them but now he's he's learning that that isn't the right way you know no good has ever come of it when he's tried to push anyone out of that life whether whether it's dick or damien or barbara jason whoever he's tried to dissuade from from doing this job right it, it's not panned out well so now this time he's going to to help her and do everything he can for her but while he's guiding her through doing this life. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, what uh, Tom King is doing, how many issues total of his run, at least? I think 100. Uh, I think the count was like 106 or 107, like issue 106 or 107 is where okay. his run would end. But who knows, you know, with uh, a couple things that have been, you know, issues getting added in here and there. Yeah. That might end up running a little bit longer. Like, from what I understand, the uh, that previous issue, number sixty-eight, with Amanda Connor on art, came from uh, conversation a talk between the two of them. At, I think it was at a con where, yeah. you know, he mentioned that she she should come do an issue, and she said she would have liked to do the date night issue. And he says, "Okay, well, here we'll we'll do this done." Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I mean, in, in this issue, we had really, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but Selena basically tells Batman, the reason I left you at the altar was because you don't love me. You you love, the only thing you can love is being Batman, essentially. And uh, kind of a hard lesson for him, hard pill to swallow. Um, do you guys think that's, well, what was that? Especially when, you know, it's his own subconscious telling him this. Yeah. yeah. You guys think that... Uh, what do you think he's going to do? You think he's actually going to get him to get married, or you think that's it's no, it's not going to happen? I never thought I've it was going to happen anyway. Happen. Yeah, I, th- I think we've been kind of unanimous on that. It's just been you know the internet that yeah, yeah. Uh, I, went fine and sinker for that being what was going to happen. And I appreciate that last uh, issue with uh, with the, uh, the bachelor and bachelor parties because it showed you what it would be like if he was married and happy. You know, yeah. at, at least that's what Tom King's alluding to. Like, look, look at what would happen if there was a wife and happiness and they'd be together and that kind of thing. Like, he couldn't be the Batman that you know. No, he'd be doing yard work and going to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, I mean... To, uh, that back a... would be empty. We said this before. Cause do you really need to have this giant panty? Do you really need to fucking die? <laughs> Let's get this shit out of here. Yeah. I remember... It fucking reminds me. I remember... um. When I used to, I was still in school, I think I was in like college and I was home on a break or something. And my dad was like, it's like a Saturday or Sunday. And my dad comes home and says, Hey, this guy's fucking selling a Star Wars collection. I'm like, What? He's like, Yeah, there's a yard sale on the other side of the street. And this guy's like, has all these Star Wars toys set up. I'm like, What? You see it? And it's like, Get in the car, go down there. Sure enough, this guy had a table just fucking covered with 
like um not like the original figures but it was like uh you know when they redid the uh, the trilogy in the theaters, they re-released a lot of like A New Hope, Return of the Jedi figures. I think it was um, Power of the Force was the line. It was called the Power of the Force, and uh, you know it had all the original but trilogy. If you, if you tell me this was Mark Hamill's fucking yard sale, because no, 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 with wish. your history on getting calls to yard sales, no, no, <laughs> no. But th- this guy had like all these uh, vehicles and all these figures, Power of the Force, and he had uh, Episode One figures. And he's just selling them all and like selling them for like a dollar a figure, you know, and I'm like, what? And so I'm just kind of fucking just grabbing a bunch of them, you know, and um, <laughs> just, you know, I'm grabbing like he's had Bubba grabbing a couple of Bubba Fett's. He had some Darth Mauls, you know, I think I grabbed like a vehicle or a speeder or something like that. And, you know, he had like a stormtrooper. Uh, he had like one of the mail away ones. He had a mail away. You had to do like a box top mail away and you get the the Han Solo in a, in a trooper outfit. So he had that one. So I'm like grabbing all these figures. I'm like, Hey man, like, why are you selling these? He's like, Oh, he's like, yeah, I got married. And, uh, you know, I had these all in the garage for storage and my wife wants me to get rid of them. And I just remember like fucking hearing him say that and see how heartbroken he was. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I was like, I never want to get married. One, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, exactly. That's some, it's, Bruce is going to have to fucking give away his Grey Ghost uh, replica outfit. Um, he's going to have well, to give away the armored bat only, suit. Only if he finds that little hidden compartment that, that all the Grey Ghost stuff is in. <laughs> right. I guess he could, like, he, he, he could stop being Batman and, like, pass the mantle on to, like, Dick or something. And everyone else can, I, like, with the uh, annual too, right? He kind of showed what happens um, where they start growing old together and... Um, it alludes to the fact that they have Helena and was it, was it a, was she like Batwoman or Batgirl? It wasn't Huntress though. No, No, she was like Batwoman. Yeah. Yeah. Like Helena was like Batwoman, which was kind of cool. But she was like, uh, I, what I got from was that she was that timelines Batman. Right. She, you know, she just happened to be, and she wasn't like the, the female counterpart to Batman. Like she was it. Yeah. She was, she was whatever whatever the mantle was at the time. But it did also show that, like, you know, Damien was there, Duke was there, Dick was there, and they all at some point, you know, had had been a member of the family. And, and so at some point he stops being Batman and he just turns old and dies. So this is kind of showing you, like, if that happens, this is what it will look like. And um, if that's what happens, fuck that. <laughs> like, uh, unless you get somebody else, I don't know, I... I can't see anybody but Bruce really being Batman um, for too long. I know they've done it a bunch of times, but he always comes back. He always finds a way of coming back, even with fucking Dark Knight 3, you know? Um, anyways, any last thoughts on that issue? Uh, awesome way to go off uh, on the arc. Yeah. Good script. Uh, the, the whole, as bewildering as the issues may have seemed, uh, reading one by one, uh, if you do a read through on all of them together, you know it. Uh, everything makes sense, and you see what the whole point of it was. So, solid script on this issue as well, and the art was fantastic. Yeah. Well, the the whole Thomas Wayne in this reality dynamic really changes the game here. I mean, you've got you know Bruce Wayne's father now in in his own reality. I I think everything's going to come to a big climax where maybe they do a team up. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool, but something's going to happen. Obviously Thomas is not going to be able to stick around, but still it'd be kind of cool where 
and I'm just I'm just thinking where maybe in this timeline and this reality now that he finally Bruce saves his life some way where he couldn't before. What I'm looking, you know, I've had my wheels turning on kind of possible scenarios like Thomas's point for for being there. I I don't feel like he's really in it to take out Bruce the way Bane is. So it could be cool if maybe it, it culminates with seeing something like we eventually get to a point where after Batman's emotionally and mentally devastated, we see you know, a, a, a battle between Bane and Batman, and we think we see Bane kill Batman, and then he pulls off the cowl and it was Thomas or something. Son of a and, bitch. And that just recharges Bruce. We just figured it all out. We we, <laughs> we just figured out the next ten, ten issues. I think it'd be pretty dope. Because really, that, uh, seeing seeing his father killed by Bane would basically give him the same uh, the same push as Crime Alley. Yeah. Except now it's even tougher because he got to see what his father would have been like, or like you know he spent time with him and saw him. And it's like he had it and then he got taken away a second time. Sons of bitches. Um, if he, if some he, of that cover you've seen for uh, upcoming issues is pretty interesting. Uh, like Thomas on the horse, uh, yeah. pulling, you know, with Bruce with his hands tied together, walking behind it. There was, there was the one version of the cover, uh, Mikkel Jannon's art. Uh, the one version of the cover was Thomas on the horse pulling a casket behind it. Yeah, Jeez. crazy. Yeah, real morbid shit. Um, if it's after it's all said and done, though, like I think we'll be, let's let's say that you know he lives or whatever, and or he finds a way of saving him, but he obviously can't like live in this timeline. If he like if they do a, a Thomas Wayne solo book, where he's maybe like going through different fucking multiverses, and just being a badass fucking Batman through those multiverses, maybe like um joke uh, maybe like his version of uh because uh, Martha Wayne is his Joker. So maybe like Martha Wayne does some crazy shit where she starts skipping through the multiverse and starts killing people. So he's got to like skip through the multiverses with her and like fucking chase after her. I just want some uh, fucking Thomas Wayne variant covers for his a solo book that he that he should be in. Um, all right. Batman number 69. Grab it. Uh, let's see. Oh, Shazam. So we've uh, we've all seen the the newest DC uh, universe, uh, DC extended universe film. Shazam, starring uh, Zachary uh, Levy, or Levi. <laughs> but uh, um, anyways, I know a couple of you guys got uh, an advanced screening about two weeks before the movie came out, which is fucking crazy, by the way. Not just a week, two weeks before the yeah, movie came and out. I think, I think that was a sign of them knowing that they had a great movie on their hands. Because this this was never expected to be the big blockbuster that Aquaman was. Mm. Once they had their final product, they knew, well, this, this is a great movie. Everyone's going to love this. Let's use that to our advantage. You know, it's, it's not going to be as, as talked about online and in the world as, as Aquaman, but we can gain some of that if we give a small opportunity for people to see it a couple weeks ahead of time. And then we have a couple weeks of positive buzz building up. And that's really what happened. You know, oh, I don't yeah, know how they... many people I spoke to after seeing the preview night. And, oh, you saw Shazam, how, how was it? And when I tell them it was awesome, like, really? Mm. Oh, I, I guess I'll have to go see it. 
Yeah. Yeah, they they totally use the the word of mouth game plan because I mean, from what I understand, they really didn't have that big of budget like they did with like the previous DC films. Yeah. It it's um smart that they did that. It's smart that they put the movie in the hands of fans two weeks before. So that way um, you can get that word of mouth going even before the critics start popping off. And I think they're learning. They're learning from maybe the mistakes that they made with some of the releases of the other films and um, how quickly, you know, uh, biased uh, reporting can get out of hand. And so they want, it's like, you know, let's let the fucking fans tell you if you should see it or not. And um, I mean, it's like you said, everyone that I saw that had seen the advanced screenings, everyone's, oh, I loved it. I loved it. It was amazing. I thought it was fucking crazy that people are saying this is my favorite DC Origins movie above Wonder Woman, above Man of Steel, above Aquaman. And I was like, hold on. Relax. <laughs> like, that's where I, I was. Yeah. I was like, you, you're, you're saying it's better than Wonder Woman. Like, it's a better origin film than Wonder Woman. Like, Wonder Woman is fucking fantastic. You know? Like, that's like, I, I was having a really hard time accepting people saying that. And I was like, are they just kind of getting, as the trunkler would say, yeah, but are they going in with a bias, though? I mean, are they walking in with a bias? <laughs> and, um,. So I was kind of like skeptical. I mean, I knew, I, I think obviously there was something in the movie that, that people were universally enjoying, which I could see, but saying that it was better than Wonder Woman, that's when I was like scratching my head. Um, but so let's kind of get into it then. Um, the story, you know, it's it's uh, hugely influenced by the Jeff Johns version of uh, Shazam that he did with um, the backup stories in Justice League for the New 52 because... Well, there there's also... Um, and I'll be honest, I've, I've never read, uh, Shazam book before. Never. I've, I've been familiar with the character. Um, but I've never picked up a book, but after watching it the first time I did go by the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, uh, trade. Mm -hmm. And there's also, um, Shazam, the monster society of evil by Jeff Smith. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of influence, you know, you know, when you when you watch the movie, because I just saw the movie for the second time yesterday. There's a lot of references from that book as well. Mm. So yeah. I, I don't know if you guys are reading the current Shazam run that Jeff is writing, but it's they're exactly in the same world. Mm. Mm. It's it's completely the same speed. Uh, the all the act like, first of all, I think the, the casting was great. Uh, all the kids were, were perfect, and they all match exactly to how their personalities are in the current comic. Mm. It's They're pulled right out of this. And yeah. uh, some of the characters and storylines are uh, reflected very closely, too. Yeah, um, It's cool. The, uh, the origin, basically, is of uh, Billy Batson being an orphan, uh, getting separated from his mom at a carnival. Um, he gets skipped around through the... Uh, child welfare system up until he's 15 i think and then he starts a new school sees he's with a new foster family meets uh freddie who he befriends pretty early on and uh freddie's awesome because freddie's like a member of the bad force where uh he's got his own collection in his room he's got newspaper articles he's got a bullet that actually uh, hit superman uh he's got a batarang replica um and all of these things are complete nods to the extended universe so it's super it's superman suit that you see it's um 
Ben Affleck's Batarang that's in it. Um, what else they talk about? Um, they allude to Aquaman. Uh, really, really cool. But long story short, um, they they make it as if any kid would get superpowers. He goofs off at first, and he just does what any kid would do, showing off, making money off of it. And then he realizes that, like, I think it was Spawn. I think it was from Spawn that said, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, <laughs> Spawn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's definite, that's definitely a Todd McFarlane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, with great power comes great responsibility. He learns, he learns pretty quickly that, like, he can't be a superhero without having to answer the call when, when stuff happens. And so, I forget the mm-hmm. actor's name that plays the bad guy. Great fucking bad guy. Art Strong. God, he's so good at being a bad guy, isn't he? Yeah. He's great in everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he even he even uh, joked about playing a bad guy in a commercial. I can't remember what commercial it was, but he's British, and so he talked about in the commercial he's playing like a rich bad guy. It's and a he, Jaguar commercial. Oh, it's so good, dude! That commercial's hilarious. And he's like, "Why am I always playing a bad guy? Is it because of my voice or whatever?" Anyways, um, great bad guy, uh, Lionel Luther from Smallville's his dad. <laughs> yeah. who's, who's been in like every version of the DC universe now. He's been in the, the Schumacher version as the uh, scientist who uh, Poison Ivy kills. Um, he's been in Smallville, and now he's in the DC extended universe as the father of the bad guy in this movie. So that fucking actor has some strong DC and Warner Brothers ties. Anyways, uh, dude, I did not think... I would like this movie as much as I did. I knew I'd like it, but I I was fucking cracking up the whole time. The kids are really likable in the movie. Freddy, obviously from uh, It, uh, he was awesome in It, and he's awesome in this. Um, Zach Levi, holy fuck, man! Talk about nailing casting with that guy. Like yeah. he he is perfect for Shazam. Like he's he's in real life. He's like almost that character. You know, and uh, if anybody knows anything about Zachary Levi, he had a massive, massive, uh, very loyal underground fan base. I wouldn't even know if it's underground because he had a pretty major network television show with Chuck, which I believe was in the early to mid 2000s. And uh, that was a really popular show that ran for a couple of seasons. Um, and then he's kind of like he's almost kind of like a um, um, what's the dude that owned the host the Talking Dead? What's that guy's name? Chris Hardwick, yeah, Chris Hardwick, you know, stand-up comedian, but he has a massive online, like, following. Zach Levi, same exact thing. He's an actor, but he has this massive online following. Um, He would put on this thing called Nerd HQ, which ran the same time as uh, San Diego Comic-Con, so he would usually get a bunch of charities together, and he would get a bunch of companies to sponsor, so that way people who don't buy tickets to Comic-Con can still go to Nerd HQ, which was kind of like a lounge. And if you donate like 10 bucks, you can get into panels that they would have. Um, they had, you know, they had uh, Richard Madden on panels. They had, what's his name from Baking, Breaking Bad. Uh, so just as if it was any other panel at Comic-Con, you didn't even have to have a Comic-Con badge. You know, you go to Nerd HQ, you check in, you donate. You know, I got a selfie with uh, Stan Lee like the first couple of years they did it. Uh, so this guy is just like he's he's a big fan of pop culture himself, and he's he was always big on charities and giving back, and you know it's very per, you know, charismatic and personal dude. So when they cast him as Shazam, I was like, dude, they they fucking nailed it, and uh, he did amazing as 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 Shazam. And I, I know we were talking about it too. There's been a couple articles where 
it was saying like, uh, did Warner Brothers like fuck up by not uh, casting him as the new Batman? And, uh, you know, because he's so charismatic and handsome and all that. Anyways, yeah, man. So, you know, we'll we'll give some spoilers away. Go watch the movie if you haven't seen it, obviously. If you have seen the movie, um, what what was your... I mean, like, fuck, dude. Like, the first couple parts of the movie was was great. The third act was my favorite. Like, the ending of the movie when... uh, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll say it. The the Shazam family shows up, um, and the all, all the kids grab the staff and they turn into uh, the Shazam family. Um, that was fucking badass. And uh, Gramps, we were talking about it too. Um, another thing that I freaked out over was that Adam, what's his name? Adam Brody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam Brody from uh, the OC fame. He was originally supposed to be cast as Flash and George Miller's Justice League Mortal. Uh, back in 2007, but because The Dark Knight was doing so well and Chris Nolan had been greenlit to do a third movie, the studio was like, we're going to confuse people by putting another Batman in a movie. Let's just scrap this movie. We'll go with a third Batman and we'll go from there. Um, So uh, the entire production for an entire Justice League movie that had already started, they were days away from filming. They just fucking canceled it. They were all in Australia. They'd already flown out. They'd already done stunt preparation they already did wardrobe yeah they had all their costumes and everything they had sets that were built already army hammer was batman uh adam brody was flash uh common was john stewart green lantern uh i forget the actress who played wonder woman megan something but she was in mad max fury road george miller put her in that movie after um and the guy who plays the bearded shazam family member the Hispanic dude, he was Superman in Justice League Mortal. Two of the members of the Shazam family were two Justice League members from that movie that got recast in this movie. So it's almost like they finally got to be superheroes in the DC Universe, which is fucking crazy. Um, and if, if you want to hear more about that Justice League movie, there's an old episode of one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, and then actually on a more recent one, he replayed the segment, but uh, Brody had been on an episode of Kevin's show and talked in depth about the movie, like you know, talked about scenes and from the script and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, really cool to see that at the end. That was, I think, my favorite part of the movie was seeing those guys in the costumes. Honestly, um, what else? What else is? Man, this movie is just like it just basically gave you everything you wanted, and, and essentially a, a silly superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, liked a lot of the real, like the they had him doing what real people would do, what a real kid would do, you know, yeah. taking advantage of having the powers. And like the, even aside from that, like from how first he's using it to make money and you know have fun and stuff like that. But then even after he learns, you know, what he should be doing with it, they're still doing sort of there's one part that kind of makes fun of a trope that's in so many movies and shows which is where you know the the big bad guy is up on a on the tower or something and like it it happens in uh lord of the rings when saruman's up on orthanc and you know everyone gandalf and they're all standing below and listening like they're just talking back and forth well, he's up on this skyscraper <laughs> of a tower, and they're just talking back and forth, and they can magically hear each other. Oh, yeah. But the movie addresses that, where when Savannah is, is giving his big speech, 
and you know they're a few blocks away from each other, both just floating in the air. And Shazam's like, what? I, I, I can't hear you. We're, we're like a mile apart. And, and it keeps cutting back to Savannah, and he's still going through his big speech, you know, talking about everything that's going to happen and what he's going to do and why he deserves yeah. all this. And he keeps going, I, 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 can't, I can't hear anything you're saying. Okay, fuck it, and just flies at him. Yeah, yeah, that, that was funny. There was, there was um, some other funny moments. I love how the fact that throughout the whole movie, they're trying to figure out a name for him. And that kind of plays on the, you know, the whole, um, you know, because Shazam, his actual name, you know, is Captain Marvel. But due to legalities and things like that over the years, DC has now just changed his name and and rebooted it to call him Shazam. But, you know, obviously he can't call himself Shazam or he changes back to Billy Batson. It's like the on and off switch. So... You know, throughout the whole movie, Freddy's making up these ridiculous names for him. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I love the part where they're in the convenience store. And, you know, throughout the whole movie, Freddy's trying to figure out what his powers are. And the the thief shoots him in the chest. And he's like, wait, we don't know if it's the suit that's bulletproof or you. Shoot him in the face. Yes. yes. It doesn't like we need to experiment with like just shoot him in the face. <laughs> yeah. It gives the other guy his gun back. Say, okay, yeah, yeah, shoot me. Yeah, and like, you know, the other guys that did uh the preview review a couple weeks back, I mean, they hit on a lot of the the high points of this movie, but this movie, I don't know, for some reason it I just connected with this movie. Um I was just just smiling and laughing throughout all this. And then even like what um they were saying, you know, the parts that are scary, they do that really well. I mean, it, it is kind of intense. Um, there were some kids in the theater with me. And I mean, when it got to the scary parts and when the seven sins are out, those kids, I, I would just kind of sneak a peek over there and look at them. And, and I mean, their eyes were just glued to the screen. Yeah. And then when the funny parts hit, man, they were just laughing. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just think this movie just hits on every, yeah, every part, and you know, has a lot of range and depth, and and a lot of, um, you know, it's gonna have some stick sticking presence to it. Yeah, I'll cool. be honest. Yeah, we're we're biased because you know we're the Bat Force, and you know, focus so much on Batman, but. I gotta say, this is probably my favorite DC movie that's been put out since they started it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really really good. You know, I still I personally I don't know if I put it above Wonder Woman. Um, for me personally, I think I fucking loved Wonder Woman, and even as an origin, and even not as an origin, I still think to me that's probably one of the stronger uh, DC films. I could see why people would like it more than Aquaman. I could see why like Aquaman was a huge movie. Aquaman felt like massive and uh you know it's a big big long movie this movie seemed very much uh more easily accessible you know you didn't have to like buy into a lot of lore it's a very easy yeah. concept kid yeah. becomes a superhero you know really right. easy really really easy so i think i could see the, uh, the the mass appeal and it's dude like it's smart because it's got a lot of charm to it yeah know? there's a lot of innocence in this movie yeah know? and and kids there's there's things kids love um, there's things that adults like about it. It looks great too. Like the suit looks great. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, I loved it. Whenever he kind of first gets the powers, and then 
he's in the cave and he's like, get me out of here. And then he's on the, the subway again. And he wakes up and that guy's like, I really respect your choices today. (laughs) That was one of my favorite parts right there. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of unexpected laughs, I would say. Like I laughed a lot more than I thought I would in this movie. Yeah. And a lot of good messages too. I mean, um, you know, the whole thing with the foster family and, and, uh, the parents telling each other, like, all we can do is fill this home with love and give him a home. And whether he calls it a home or not is up to him, you know, and holy shit. Like, you know, the, what a piece of shit his mom turned out to be. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Even give him the second chance. Man, she was a piece of shit. I thought that was pretty, uh, that, that was, that was, uh. What do you call it? Not risky, but uh, that was a bold move. A bold move uh, to uh, to show the re- the ugly and reality of this, that happens way more often than you think. Just piece, just piece of crap people that have no business having kids, just dumping them off as if they're like, you know, garbage. And um, it's sad, but it was it was real. It's like kind of reality. So, um, but yeah, man, like it's funny because um, Lola was saying how. Uh, uh, the kid, Freddie, she's like, he reminded me of Adam before he showed up. And so, like, they nailed it with that casting, too. He even fucking looks like him. You know? But, yeah. So, like, did did Lolo go with you to watch the movie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she loved it. I mean, like I said, it was, it was, it's for everybody, man. It's, uh, there was tons of kids when I went for the screening that I saw it at. Um, mainly families. It was the afternoon, I think on a Sunday. Just mass appeal, dude. This movie, I think it's already made over five hundred million uh, worldwide, and it still hasn't opened. I think it opened in Dubai this week. I don't know if it's has it opened in China yet. I, I don't know. know. I mean, I know it's been number one in the last two weeks at the U.S. domestic box office. Yeah, it's it had a budget of like one hundred million. Oh yeah, and it's already almost made that up domestically. Yeah, it's already doubled it, almost tripled it domestically. So, I mean, they're going to get a sequel for sure. Like, this is going to get a sequel for sure now, which is interesting because um, I saw an article where, like, Warner Brothers was waiting to see how much money you would make before they greenlight one, but they really, really wanted to greenlight a sequel because uh, the kids are growing up. I mean, they're all, like, young teenagers, so they're going to grow quick. So they're all going to start looking older real quick. Um, Well, I mean... Isn't the Black Adam movie more or less a sequel to this? No, or is it not? From what The Rock stated on his uh, one of his most recent Instagram videos, um, so he explained that they they were in talks to do a Black Adam movie even before a Shazam movie. I think we all remember that too, where um, yeah. one of the first things we heard of was The Rock being cast as Black Adam, and we weren't sure where they were going to put Black Adam, whether it was going to be in a Justice League movie or a Superman sequel. And uh, what he did was uh, he was in talks and they were, you know, they were talking to the studio. And from what he says on his last um, on his last uh, in the video, it says that they wanted to originally do a Black Adam Shazam movie and they would tell the origins of both characters. And that's what you would get. You would get a Shazam Black Adam movie. And he said at one point during the talks, they decided like it's too much. It's too much origin story to tell two different origin stories. And because they're such different origin stories, it's just too much to put in one movie. So he made the decision to back out of the Shazam movie and um, they would make a Shazam movie and then they would make a Black Adam movie. 
So mm-hmm. he so he explained that. that and then way. the sequel to both of those will be where they come together. That'd be cool. Probably. Who knows? You know. Um, people were saying for a long time that they were going to put him in a Man of Steel two or whatever, but. Uh, but he he confirmed that he's still going to get a solo Black Adam movie, and they're going to start filming in about a year. You know, there's that. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's crazy. Like we're now in a time where the DC films are pretty much completely turned around. You know, because let's say let's say you stack them all up, and and the ones that have done bad were uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, it didn't do bad at the box office, but as far as like received by critics and fans, split down the middle. Batman vs Superman and Justice League, I think overall everyone disliked it. But you got Man of Steel, I think is pretty generally well received. Uh, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and now Shazam. The you know you got a majority of films now in the DC universe that are actually like winners. So it's pretty fucking crazy to see that it's like course corrected itself. So it's kind of exciting to see where it's going to go from here. What's the next uh, DC film that's coming up? Is it Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman 2? Wonder Woman 2. Yep. And then Birds of Prey. Yeah, Birds of Prey, they just uh Margot Robbie posted that uh that picture Finished. today of herself like on her chair it says that they wrapped today. Right. So. Okay. And then um uh there what's her name? Ava DuVernay is going to do uh The New Gods. Yep. Matt Reeves is doing The Batman. Man, oh, The Joker. Joker's coming out. Yeah. Fuck. And I don't that, think, yeah. Like that could be, I don't know, either it's not going to strike a chord with uh, with many people or it's going to be a game changer. Joker? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if that trailer is I, to be... You know, it's it's either going to be, you know, it's it's not going to catch on with anyone or it's just going to be... I, I don't, I don't, I mean, unless the tone of the movie... Is completely opposite of what that trailer is. That movie's gonna be massive. I, I mean, like, fuck, man. I, <laughs> that trailer by itself is like a great movie. <laughs> so crazy. I think that you know that trailer is not gonna represent at all what that movie's gonna be like. I mean, that movie's gonna get dark. Really. Mm, yeah. We'll see. You, you know, it's only a two and a half minute trailer. Like you guys said we'll see what what we end up getting, but. Um, all right. Any other Shazam thoughts? No, I mean, like I said, it was uh, probably my favorite DC movie so far, and I mean that that's saying a lot because yeah. I I love pretty much all of them except for Suicide Squad and Justice League. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun, and I'll be honest, I'm probably gonna go see it again. Nice. Very nice. All right, there you go. Your Shazam review. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, when you go, uh, stay for the credits. Oh, that's right. Well, we didn't talk about that. Well, what's cool when you see it again is that you start picking up all the little Easter eggs, like when they're doing the the superpower trials in you know the abandoned warehouse. He's standing there, and over his left shoulder, there's a big Ace Chemicals, and um, you know they make nods to uh, Bat uh, Batman throughout the movie. One thing I kept picking up on is whenever time they'd show up, you know the scenes where they go to the school and they're in front of the school. There was always this little girl in a bat, Batman backpack running up and hugging her friends. Almost every time they showed that school scene, that girl with that backpack is going up and hugging her friends. And I was like, that's got to be mean something. Hmm. A little shit's going to grow up to be somebody. Uh, who knows? But I, I liked how they, they tied in you know, the references to uh, you know the Man of Steel and... Uh, Batman versus Superman, things like that, so that this is all, you know, even though there is no technically official uh, 
DC, you know, entertainment universe, you know, like like how Marvel set up, it's in that realm. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's good shit, man. One thing uh, I ignored. It was really cool to see uh, Jerry from Walking Dead uh, as a part of the movie too. I was sitting here thinking, is this Jerry's origin story? <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> yeah, in in the second movie, we're gonna find out that uh, he gets a job at a medieval times like place. Right, and right. Happens. <laughs> Good stuff. Alrighty, alrighty then. Tom, yeah, I, I texted you um, Amber's review. Oh, should I drop it in? Yeah, drop it in. Hang on one second. Okay, this is Grandpa Batman and Gam Gam. We just left the theater. After seeing Shazam, Gam Gam is going to give her initial thoughts and ratings. What did you think of the movie? Hello? I thought it was good. Even though you dragged me here to see it. <laughs> wow. I thought it was cute. You thought it was cute? Yeah. And would you recommend it for just kids or for adults or for everybody or what? I would say everyone. Okay. Yeah. Even... even Fans of not even comic book movies? Yes. Okay. And on a rating scale out of five, I don't know. You twist. Revlon lipsticks. Uh, out of how out of five Revlon lipstick ratings, what would you give it? I would give it four. You give it a four Damn. out of five. Okay, wow, that's a pretty strong four rating. Lipsticks. Four lipsticks out of five. Okay. That's a good strong rating. Do you have any criticism of of the movie? I haven't had time to think about it yet. Oh. You said something in the movie. They should have had it come out at Christmas. At Christmas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. Well, thank you for your review. <laughs> yeah, that was actually something that uh, I heard, is why didn't they... Why, they should have made that a Christmas movie. It technically is a Christmas movie now. I imagine they didn't want it competing with Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 a lot of movies are scheduled based on you know, what they know the competition is going to be. Right. It's smart, though, because, like... Uh, just like Batman Returns, people will watch this now during Christmas time. That's true, because I bet you they put out the Blu-ray like in November. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. All right. Uh, Gramps, how many freshly mowed lawns would you give this movie? Man, this is up there in there at the top, man. I mean, I'd give it a, a four and a half. Mm. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Robin, how many uh, Tim Hortons cups would you give this? Tim Hortons cups. Uh, okay, so with the conversion rate from Canadian <laughs> U.S. cup, uh, yeah, I'm. if we're doing it out of five, when we did it out of ten, I think I gave it like a nine, so I got to go with like a four or five. Okay. 4.5. Right. I got to think back to my gold standard of, man, I guess, you know what I've, I started to do is I've started to just not include BVS. Okay, here here we go. How many eighty nine Keaton hot toys does this get? Damn. All right, that's oof. All right, let's see. I would say Batman vs Superman probably gets like a four point five out of five. That's like the highest. Wonder Woman is probably like four out of five. Ooh man. Okay, Shazam. Where are you, Shazam? Yeah, man. I'd say it's a solid. Uh, it's a solid four out of five for sure. Easily. I would say I think it's it's a I got as much enjoyment out of this as I did Aquaman. Is it 
is it worth um, a second viewing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I okay. would say it's worth a second viewing just for um, um, the third act alone, where the, the Shazam family shows up, and uh, I like I said, I loved seeing those two dudes in superhero suits. Like I just feel like it was a really cool, like a really cool way to kind of like make things right with how they were fucking canceled out of that movie. That was really, really yeah, cool. I did- uh, I didn't recognize the Superman dude until you mentioned it, but uh, I, I immediately recognized Brody. Right. And thought, oh, he, he finally gets to yeah. finally get to do it. It's cool. It was really, really cool. And, and uh, not... it's, it's worth another viewing just for checking out Easter eggs and stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a scene where there's an Ace Chemical sign in the background. Yeah. I, I saw. I saw. There's. Uh, I think I saw a website where it says there's at least like 15 Easter eggs. And I do not remember counting 15, so I'm like, I gotta go back and check it out. Well, here's an Easter egg. When he first meets Freddy, and he's standing in front of that bookshelf, in front of the the battering and stuff like that, that Superman hat that is on the shelf was designed by our friend Teezus. Shit, that's right. We forgot to mention that. How cool would that be to have something you design in a movie like that? That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Go get yours over at... uh... Not Hot Topic. Where is it? Spencer's Gifts. That's where you can find his stuff. Concept One Designs. Wow. That's cool stuff. Uh, Shazam. Got a gold star rating from the Bad Force. Go ahead and check it out if you haven't. Go see it again if you haven't. Yeah, man. The more you support these movies, the more it gets made. So this is a good one that we don't have to push too hard because it's a good movie. Um, Buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. Just keep telling Warner Brothers that we want uh, solo films, uh, director-driven, character-story-driven without fucking touching and tampering with it. Well, and if you like the movie, you know, it's worth picking up um, some of the trades that they have out now. Mm. You guys mentioned the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, uh, New 52. And like I said, there's a cool one called Shazam, the Monster Society of Evil. That's the one that I'm reading right now. And you read these books and see the movie again and you're like oh that's who that is that's who that is especially like you know when they open the door and there's these alligator guys coming out and you know the little worm mr mind and things like that the seven deadly sins and all that the tiger the the current comic that jeff johns is doing with dale eaglesham that that series is only like four or five issues deep uh so you can jump on with that and just follow that month to month Yep. Very nice, guys. All right. There's our Shazam review. Into movies. Uh, Mr. Mind shows up in, in the comic as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stepped on your outro. No, fuck it. They can have an extra little bonus there. Get a little nugget. One more nugget before we sign off. There you go. Uh, Seacrest out. All right, so we're going to do a little bonus Game of Thrones. Uh, what was it? Uh, season 8, episode 1, right? Little, little bonus Game of Thrones. Everyone and their fucking mom watches this show. If you don't watch it, get on it. Um, this really, I can't like, this was such a long wait. Yeah. It was something like a year and nine months between the end of the previous season and the first episode. So basically there were babies conceived the (laughs) night that the last season ended that by the time this season ended are a fucking year old. Right. That's ridiculous, dude. I don't. Re- I don't remember. Season. Yeah, I was like, I was trying to remember what how we watched the last season because we, we must have like had Robbie and I. Don't, I remember watching every episode, but how the fuck did I do that with a one year old? But anyways, uh, the, 
say he was probably sleeping more back then. Probably. Um, year and a half. Uh, fucking first episode back. Um, I have never seen. It's the internet because the internet is the internet is more. You know, the internet has made everything more accessible. Everything's immediate and everything's right there. But I've never seen a show with this massive amount of anticipation or viewing viewership. Um, fucking everybody I know watches this show and there's maybe two or three people tops that I don't, that I know don't. Uh, there was a a UFC event on Saturday night, uh, in Atlanta and at the post fight press conference, one of the reporters that was in the, you know, that was there to, to ask questions of, of all the fighters and Dana White and everything, uh, after, after the event was done. One of the reporters was asking each person about Game of Thrones, you know, asking if, if they watch <laughs> and how they think the season's going to end. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, funny shit, man. Um, so, I mean, I, I saw I saw mixed reviews. I saw a lot of people say that this, this, this episode didn't have anything. They're not looking at what they were actually seeing. Um, because this this had massive foreshadowing, in my opinion, um, with John fucking riding on a dragon. Yeah. And because uh, okay, the reason I say that is because uh, when you look at Bran's character and like the story, his story arc, Bran was told by the old crow that you'll never walk again, but you'll fly. And we know Bran's a warg, and um, because he's a warg, he can warg into animals and. Uh, take control of whatever animal he wants and he's done so mostly with uh his wolf right um has he done has he done it with any other animals yet uh well he's done it with humans as well he warged in yeah he works in a hodor i'll I'll touch on that later uh another fun theory that i not a theory not something i think will happen but just something that i thought would be cool to happen but Right. So, so they talk about how he can, you know, he wargs and he'll, you'll never walk again, but you'll fly. So obviously alluding to the fact he's going to fucking warg into a motherfucking dragon at some point. He, he has, he has already warged into the crows. Right. Uh, he was watching the night king. Yeah. Or king. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think, uh, I have, I think that he's going to warg into the zombie dragon and either save, either bring it back from being a zombie or just use it as a zombie dragon to fight. Um, and uh, again, with John riding on the dragon with Daenerys, I think it's foreshadowing in the fact that like when the uh, Targaryens, like the last time the Targaryens had um, the dragon, is is their sigil a three-headed dragon or is it three dragons? The Targaryen sigil. I'll have to look at it again, but it might be three-headed. Yeah, and I think it represents the three, the, the three dragons that conquered the... Uh, that conquered Westeros and uh, the two sisters and the brother that wrote it. So, and then there's, you know, there's like, there's like always like three, there's always like mentions of three dragons. Who are the three dragons? So I think that at one point, fucking Daenerys, Jon, and Bran are all going to be riding those dragons in some form or another, whether it's to take over to fucking destroy the, the, uh, the White Walkers or whatever. Um, I also have like you know I did a I did a death pool 
of who's going to die, who's going to who's going to live. And, oh yeah. Yeah, and then you get to choose, you know, for bonus points, who do you think is you get to choose one person you think is going to sit in the Iron Throne. And uh, I didn't really do it like who I thought. I just did it who like, you know, just kind of having fun with it. So I put um Man, you know, because they've said that Martin has already said that this season is going to end bittersweetly, right? It's meaning that someone you really love is going to die, but you're also going to be happy with the way it ends. So I'm thinking that I think Tyrion's going to bite it, dude. I yeah. think I think Tyrion's going to sacrifice himself because he's done so much fucked up shit in his life that he's he knows he has to he has to make it right. And he's kind of been doing that. And he's trying to become a better person by, you know, being the hand to Daenerys and all this shit. But he killed his own fucking dad. Um, he was just a, just a bad, bad dude for, for a lot of times. But anyways, I think he's going to fucking save the realm somehow. I think he's going to sacrifice himself somehow. And he'll be a hero in that sense. But he's going to sacrifice his life for it. Um, I, I think we'll see a lot of sacrificial deaths there are there are characters that we haven't even seen in a while like we haven't seen in a while an appearance of ghosts yeah yeah Uh, so we could we could get a heroic return of ghosts like just when john needs him most to show up and save his ass but i feel like it'll be sacrificing himself to do it yeah um, what do you think? Uh, obviously, um, Jamie Lannister is going to have a huge. I think the fact that uh, that it's funny when Sam kind of stumbles upon uh, Bran. Bran's just sitting out there watching everybody walk around, creeping everyone the fuck out. And then <laughs> Sam basically asks him, "Like, what are you doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm waiting for an old friend." And uh, you find out later that at the very end of the episode, he's fucking waiting for Jamie Lannister. And Jamie Lannister shows up. And literally looks like he fucking sees a ghost when he sees Bran. And Bran just kind of cracks a little smirk. So, obviously, he needs to tell Jamie Lannister something. You know? For him to say that to Jamie Lannister. Jamie's important in some sense in Bran's eyes. I'm wondering, like... Because I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't, I don't think Bran is waiting for him just just for the whole moment of... Right. Yeah. Surprise, motherfucker! Because that that is an interesting thing. Like after Jamie pushed him out the window in what episode two or three? Yeah. Uh, when Bran wakes up, he has no recollection of what happened to him. Right. But now that he's the three-eyed raven, he knows everything about everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's uh. So so I'm interested to see, and I don't know if anyone listening. Uh, has caught if there's anything that he's alluded to with Jamie already, but um, yeah, I think Jamie's pretty important this season. Um, fuck, man, <laughs> that bitch seriously. The, the other, the other warging thing that I was uh, thinking about. He doesn't seem like the revenge type, but a cool bit of warging he could do would be warging into Jamie and killing Cersei. Uh Hmm. Well, okay. I I don't think he's the revenge type, but yeah. that could be some pretty good revenge. Like, okay, I I've been in uh in a wheelchair for the last few years because of you guys. So mm-hmm. here, that bitch wants the fucking kingdom to burn, though. She's the new Mad King, dude. She's the Mad Queen. 
you know? Yeah, you know what? So obviously, we've never trusted her an inch, but with what, like the way this episode ends, when she gets the report, uh, the wall has been destroyed and the dead are crossing through, and she says, good, as she watches, you know, the the fleet sail off. So I have this suspicion that she's sent her army to attack from the south as the dead attack from the north. So, like, who, who are they attacking? Winterfell? Uh, the, yeah, yeah, whom she was supposed to be sending her troops to join, you yeah. know, to join the fight. She's obviously not playing ball with anybody. No. So we could eventually find out that, you know, she has actually sent her army out to attack from the south as they're trying to defend the attack from the north. What if she becomes the, the Ice Queen, bro? Yeah. And that fucking... Dude, well, she's... To a degree, she already is an Ice Queen. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, my, my whole thing is, like, I, I just... Uh, I mean, she's she has no more fucking kids left. Um, except she's pregnant, right? Isn't she pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. And she, uh, she finally slept with, uh, what's his name there from the Iron Island. Euron. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I, I believe that she only did that so she could pretend that that's who the father is. Yeah. But what, what would be the, what would be the end game in having like what to join their houses? Why? Why uh, was she? Why does she want to keep him for a baby daddy? Uh, well, he has he has his fleet. He has what? You know, all, all, uh, he has all the ships from yeah. the Iron Island. And then he's know, he's and... also got fucking islands that can be yeah. protected from the, the Walking Dead. Yeah, and it's somewhere that they can, if if need be, they can they can get there where they're you know, reasonably safe from yeah. from the army. And it also, like, I think, just in general, it might be just a way of her controlling him even better by yeah. saying, like, I have your, you have, I have your child in me now. Like, now you have to do whatever I say kind of thing. Whereas, because he's yeah. kind of, he's still kind of like, uh, he's still kind of like, um, even though he's helping her, he, she can tell that he's kind of like, you know, a fucking loose cannon a little bit. So maybe this yeah. is her... You know, she knows that there's. She's got nobody else that's going to be loyal to her. He's the only one that's probably left. Um, I've had another question. And about the, the only people who will be loyal are those whose loyalty she can buy. Right. Um, like Braun. Uh, oh she's yeah. She's trying to. Now, you know, at, we end with you know, him basically being told, you know, she she's given you all this gold and. Just imagine what else she'll do for you. Hmm. But what she wants you to do is, if they survive this, she wants you to kill her two traitorous brothers. Jamie, who fucking hooks him. Jamie's the one who puts him on the map. Hmm. Jamie, Jamie's bronze boy, you know. Yeah. So it's basically. Yeah. And, and before that, like Jamie and Bron know each other because Bron was Tyrion's boy. Yeah, that's right. So it's. So like the, the, yeah. I, I don't think he does. No, I don't, I don't no, think no, no. he does. Um, I think he takes the payment and says thank you very much. And yeah, and Bron saved. Didn't Bron save Jamie's life when when Jamie was drowning in his armor? Yeah, well, he he saved him uh, 
I think it was in the season finale yeah. of uh, of the past season when Jamie when the Lannister army was being slaughtered by the Dothraki. Right. Uh, he sees Daenerys there and sees he has a chance to end everything. And he's on his horse and he charges at her to kill her. But then just before he can get to her, Drogon, you know, notices him coming. And just as he breathes fire at him, Bronn comes flying up, tackles Jamie off his off his horse into the water, and then he had dragged him away. Yeah. Good shit, man. So save from being roasted. Um I had another fucking thing that I was talking that I was thinking about. Um what was it? People dying. Oh, fucking, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, man, I'm forgetting his name. Anyways, it'll come back to me. Um, yeah, it's a lot of shit, man. A lot of shit going on. Sansa. Oh, that's the other thing. What do you think is going to happen to her? Like Sansa and, uh, um, so I know this is not a popular theory, but I have a theory that, um, I mean, it's not a theory. It's more like, wouldn't it be crazy if, wouldn't it be crazy if the only way John and Daenerys can really like fucking stop the walking dead is by becoming the ice queen and ice king together. And Ooh. like, they become, they become like the fucking, like I, the night king and the night queen, you know, they cancel out the evilness of whatever they got going on. Sansa then, takes up the throne and then Arya becomes her queen's guard with uh Brianna Tarth. That would be badass. Another thing that happens in there, the... there are a few ways it could play out cuz you know, well okay first of all the, with the one thing you mentioned that people were complaining nothing happened in the episode okay. The episode had a whole lot of shit that had to happen like first of all there were introductions and reunions so like you had uh daenerys meeting sansa and everybody else uh reunions of john and Arya and john and sam and just everybody you know being back together for the first time in years and then you had people learning major information like john finding out that he's not john snow he's actually aegon targaryen mm-hmm and he's actually the rightful heir, not Daenerys. Yeah. So with that news, like, it sort of ended with the question, you know, you gave up the throne. You, you gave up the crown for your people. Will she do the same? If she doesn't, you know, things could go badly between the two of them. And who knows, maybe because they're... He, I think he's more related to Daenerys than he is to Sansa. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. who knows if things go bad with Daenerys. Maybe because they're a little bit less related, <laughs> him and Sansa or something. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, it's pretty wild stuff. But uh, I'm excited to see some more of the uh, the black metal bands coming down, marching through uh, the wall. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun, you know, watching uh, 
Timmy Borgare marching through yeah. through the wall. Gaul from Gorgoroth, who is clearly one of the White Walkers. Um, yeah, the, I, I mean, yeah, like I said, like people are like, oh, nothing happened. It's like, dude, yes, you fucking had John, John is told that he's the rightful heir. You had him riding on a fucking dragon, which is huge, you know, foreshadowing. Um, you're and see- if you saw, if you saw the interview with uh, Kit Harrington talking about shooting that dragon scene. He talked about how perilous in real life it actually was for him and his testicles, which he literally felt like they were uh, being ripped off. He thought they were going to be accidentally ripped off while he was riding this thing that they, you know, used for the dragon. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Brianna Tarth wasn't in this episode, huh? Uh, I don't remember seeing her. She was? Uh, No, was she? I think I'm mixing some of it up because I rewatched mm. uh, the last few episodes of the last season. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't think we did see her in this one. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went back and rewatched a lot of the deaths. Um, <coughs> a lot of the deaths, you know, brutal deaths and all that shit. So, um, I'm trying to think of what else we're missing. Anything else that we're missing? Um. Oh, uh, what's his name? Bitch ass uh, Theon um, saving his sister, and then uh, he apparently goes back to Winterfell to help. Um, yeah, instead of instead of going with his people back to the Iron Islands where he would be safe, he wants to he wants to go to Winterfell and fight the war. Yeah, well, he, he fucking fucked up. I mean, it could be it could be uh, argued that it's all his fault that the Starks are split up, really. Yeah, you know, if you go back as far back to him staging that coup at Winterfell and fucking up and sending Bron and or Bran and uh, Rickon um, into the wilderness, Did, Rickon's dead, huh? Fuck, I forgot. Yeah, fucking Ramsay killed him before he went and made him all. Piece of shit. That was last season, right? Mm-hmm. In front of John, right? Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, the Battle of the Bastards. Fuck, dude, I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucked up, man. Man, that was uh, another another showdown that we have to get is the Hound versus the Mountain. Oh, well, yeah. Mountain. Yeah, that's got to That's. I almost feel like the Hound's got to kill him. Yeah. 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 I. I, I think. Um, by the end of this season, you know. We know we're getting the prequel spinoff. Uh, I think it's going to be about the the Targaryens, mm. like hundreds of years before. But assuming they survive, uh, if you've ever seen on YouTube the series Cops Skyrim, you know it's like the TV show Cops, but it's you know all used the Skyrim episodes <laughs> of Cops. Fucking funny. Oh yeah! If if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's it's hilarious. There are, there are like multiple seasons of it, but it it's funny, especially if you've ever played the game. You know, it, it makes it much better. But I would love if they survive. I would love a spinoff series just like that, with Hound and Tormund are now patrols on trade routes, and they're basically you know cops. <laughs> And you know it's like a, a buddy road comedy, and they That's just go nice. around uh, 
killing bad guys. It's funny as fuck. Have uh, oh yeah no the Hound and Tormund have fought together. Yeah. That last season. Yeah. They, uh, yep. Yeah, they were all they were all fighting against the White Walkers. That was fucking badass when they, when all those dudes are fighting together. And uh, Hound uh, saved Tormund at one point. Mm. He was getting mauled by by all those walkers. Yeah. Man. So what? There's going to be only eight episodes, right? So seven more? No, uh, are there, or is it, no, I think it's only like five or six more. Fuck. I, I think it's like a six episode season. And there's only going to be, they're only going to be an hour each? Well, what I had heard before was that they were all going to be like movie length episodes. That's what I thought. But this one was only, this one was 55 minutes. Bullshit. I, I was enthused, but let's see. I'm going to look it up right now. Man, they better have some crazy shit happening quick then. I can understand now why people are pissed off. If yeah. you if you only got six more to go, if you five or six more to go, and this one, you know, I, I could, they wanted to get the action in quick. Yeah, I, I could have I could have gone for some more brutal killings. I mean, the, the last uh, with a little kid up on the fucking wall with the arms severed arms around him that was pretty badass. Oh, and people were asking what that symbol means. Um, the spiral. It's the symbol of the fist of the first men. And um, that symbol is also at the the tree of I don't think it's a tree of life or whatever. Where all those little fucking nymphs um, created yeah. the uh, the White Walkers to begin with. Yeah. Um, and well, that's that's another thing. Um, because I never trust anyone is dead until we've seen their corpse. Uh, I don't think uh, Benjin is cold, gone. Cold hands. Yeah, you know he's he's part White Walker, but not all the way and you know yeah and they never explained how that is how he's part white walker um, well, um the the girls that uh, you know the the creatures of the woods or whatever they're called the little, now, the little fucking nymphs. Little children of the forest or whatever uh the, the dragon glass he's a deca- dude he's a decathlete like he picks up the yeah. spear and he fucking yeah, chucks it throws a javelin like <laughs> jesus Hey, Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.